0: Everybody, welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. The Steelers just lost to the Dolphins 16 to 10, and I have cracked. It's done. I somehow, I don't know if it was, you know, some otherworldly power. Perhaps it was Jesus. Perhaps it was, you know, the spirit of Bill Cyr himself. But something enabled me this year to not have any emotional reactions to the Steelers. And I would like to attribute that to my small, but sometimes somewhat potent intellect. That's even an An overstatement because I thought, Hey, look, I've been seeing the writing on the wall for the Steelers team the past few years. I have grown accustomed, unfortunately, over the last four years to watching what equates to, A more boring offense than many middle school offenses that I've watched. I remember some great Maplewood teams. That was the name of my league. I remember watching my buddies, Jack and Kyle, these small little shifty dudes. They were on another team. They ran a four quarterback system. Four quarterbacks at the same time. It was amazing. It was much more entertaining than the Steelers. And as I've had to watch this for the past few years, I said, well, you know what? It's going to take a little while to get better. So I can't bang my head against the wall the way I did with every single solitary Steelers game from the Cordell Stewart tenure all the way up until the past four years. I got to just kind of take some joy in watching the process and watching the individual journeys of lovable lovable players like Minka Fitzpatrick and potential superstars and George Pickens. And just look at the hope for the future. I'm not really reacting emotionally. You know, sometimes I get pissed, yeah. But that's all over now because I've had my sixth aneurysm in the past 24 hours, undiagnosed, but I don't, I don't really need to see a doctor for that. It's happened after having to watch Matt Canada's offense once again. And I think that sentence might set some people off are listening to the podcast because obviously nobody's going to be set off because we're defending Matt Canada. I'm just seeing a lot of takes online saying, hey, it's not just Canada. He might, might be bad, but, you know, the quarterback's got to play better. Hey, the defense is getting torched. Oh, the receivers don't make contested catches. Blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm here to tell you that all of the rest of those weaknesses, officially now that we have a seven-game sample size in addition to the 17 games from last year, All of those other issues are tremendously overrated and would be significantly minimized. Their impact would be minimized if we had even a top 25 offensive coordinator in the league for the Steelers. Because that's the biggest issue we've seen. Kenny Pickett throws back-to-back game-losing interceptions to lose that game. And newsflash, he's a rookie. Does that mean he's going to be an amazing player later? No, maybe. Does that mean he's a bad player already? No, maybe. But that's the public end of a game situation, right? Quarterback throws multiple picks. We're going to blame him. Great. If anybody thought Kenny Pickett was going to be Andrew Luck, a.k.a. pretty much the only Instant superstar quarterback ever who came in as a rookie and absolutely carried his team, which won what one or two games the year before he got there, and then they win 10 games and go to the playoffs his first year. Like, the, if you thought that that was Kenny Pickett, you would be alone in that thought. That would be incredibly unreasonable. Rookie Ben Roethlisberger wouldn't have done that, right? So, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't care about the picks. I'm just trying to watch the process for Kenny Pickett to figure out if he's going to be a legit quarterback option for the Steelers' future. And the further we go, the more I realize we're not going to know if he's an option or not because it's impossible to tell how well the Steelers' offense can perform when they have to perform with one hand tied behind their back because that's exactly what they're doing with Matt Canada right now this sub high school offense in which like 90% of the passes are going 2 yards down the field outside of the numbers it's impossible to play that way not only is it going to ruin the way kenny pickett reads the field and feels pressure and understands how aggressively to attack or not attack but it's an absurd way to think you're going to constantly move the ball in the NFL. And one of the reasons why I haven't been, one of the reasons why I have not been overly emotional about the Steelers is a reason that I've stated in a number of the podcasts this year, dating back to the summer, dating back to late last season, but especially through this season is this podcast is getting redundant. I I can't possibly analyze Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin, I'm sorry I took this long to get to the fact that Mike Tomlin has allowed this to happen because he's absolutely to blame for it too. He clearly doesn't know a single thing about conducting an offensive football attack, but the podcast is getting redundant just like all other podcasts because there's no further analysis to go off of except for, Hey, we've got some new players. Oh, George Pickens, he's the best player. Amazing. We've analyzed that already every single opportunity the guy has he makes another catch of the year candidate right but how many weeks in a row can we say it's impossible to think your offense ha- is going to sustain a 16 play drive every time you want to score a touchdown and that's the philosophy they have and especially after watching the dolphins go up and down the field with exclusively middle of the field passes now they might have a little bit of an opposite issue there, not throwing it all outside the numbers, but damn, it worked well in the first half. Well, I hope it showed some Steelers fans that you are indeed allowed to throw to the middle of the field. There's actually quite a lot of room there. There's not even a sideline to one side of you, so you could throw to the left or to the right, and your receiver can break any which way and continue running into open grass. It's a fascinating strategy that could be used, but there's nothing to say with the Matt Cannon offense because here's all I see. Quarterback, question mark, Yes. I was not a big Kenny Pickett fan in the draft. Even after last night, I still think I'm being proven wrong in that. I think Kenny Pickett has a lot of potential. But we'll just leave him as a question mark. The line, it's inarguable. They have gotten so much better. Not only have they outperformed the preseason – I don't want to say prediction. I mean their preseason performance was really bad. And they've outperformed that since game one. But they've gotten better. It is so rare – that Kenny gets bum-rushed the way he did on one sack against Miami when he faded back and he had no chance and 92 and um, 15 Phillips ate him alive. And I remember saying to dad while you were on the phone, like, man, you know what? I haven't seen that sight very often this year where the quarterback for the Steelers just fades back to pass and gets eaten alive. That doesn't happen. So that's not an excuse for you. By the way, they started opening some holes in the run game. Najee was like 15 for 70 yards or something like that. And Najee Harris himself, two weeks after getting the plate removed out of his foot, significant improvement from Najee. No, he may not be a top five running back or even a top ten running back right now, I don't know, but he definitely looked a lot more like himself where the first tackler, except for on one stupid third or fourth down run, that one yarder where he just jumped in the air, but the first tackler is not bringing him down. Just like last year when he was making those guys miss or shrugging them off. He's looking good. I mean, I know Claypool and Deontay are frustrating, but they're looking good. Obviously, the best two options the Steelers have are these stars in Pickens, and to a lesser degree, but also a a very good-looking player is Friermuth. Not only do the numbers bear that out, but just the eyeball test shows what they can do, especially with the 30-yard skinny post Kenny threw to Friermuth at the end of the game there. There's plenty of talent around them, and the Steelers' defense, much maligned, which was embarrassed in the first half. Dolphins were getting 10 yards of carry. They shut the Dolphins out completely. No points in the second half. I mean, they were, I don't even know if the Dolphins had five first downs in the second half. So you can't use that as an excuse either. And I know Mike Tomlin wants to categorize this game in the postgame conference as we dropped four interceptions. That's the reason why we lost. Obviously, I agree those were a big deal. But that's insinuating that the Steelers should have won a close game. When in reality, if the Steelers had a halfway decent offensive plan, they should have killed the Dolphins. But instead, we're going to categorize it like it was this close loss to an elite team. I mean, yeah, Tua threw the ball directly to Steelers four times. That's not an elite team. They looked good. It's crazy how much they look like the 49ers. I mean, they have most of it there, but Mike McDaniel really may actually be able to translate that Niners magic. I mean, it's just Jimmy G all over again with all the middle of the field passes and then the four doy he plays per game, the fast zone blocking running backs. And then, you know, he adds this extra component of insano speed with Waddle and Hill, you know, who are as advertised. But this shouldn't have been a hard fought loss. This should have been controlled. I mean, the Steelers scored 10 freaking points on offense. Unbelievable. And I know Tomlin, he's not going to ever throw a coordinator under the bus in the postgame conference. And honestly, that's a good policy to have. That's really not going to accomplish anything. You know, firing the guy in the bye week, that'll accomplish something. You need to move forward at a certain point. You can't get worse, right? They haven't scored more than 20 points in a game this year. They have one opening drive touchdown in the last two years. I mean, it's maddening. And I'm glad that they've had another high-profile failure on national television. Obviously, the Buccaneers win far less sweet after the Buccaneers get absolutely blown out by the worst team in the league, the Carolina Panthers. And that happens before the Steelers play. You start thinking, yeah, that's not great. And the Steelers still have a close game with a good Dolphins team. But it's just... I'm at I'm at my wits end here. I don't know what to do with these people. So, in summation of that endless rant, I just started the program with the reason why I feel so emotionally unstable as a result of that Steelers Dolphins game is because of this. My number one reason for us having this podcast outside of just my dad's and my passion for the Steelers, the fact that it's a fun thing for us to do, seeing as we spend a hilarious amount of time having these conversations, regardless of them being recorded or not. Yeah, that's one reason. But my other biggest reason is this, the way football is covered is a lie. And it's a disservice to the American, no, the people of the world. It pisses me off so much the simplification of the game down to a quarterback, coach and offensive coordinator. The way that wins are so directly attributed to single players, the way that narratives and stories, whether it's Tom Brady's divorce, like that's the reason why the Buccaneers are terrible rather than, yeah, that's one of the reasons among an incredible amount of injuries and a huge head coaching downgrade and all these other things that happen. That's why I like to have the podcast is to look at football and analyze the individual players based on their talent, their performance, and then, yeah, situationally, how things come together. That's the beauty of football is as compared to other awesome sports like basketball and soccer and lacrosse and and case of some people like myself lacrosse. but those games are awesome because of their simplicity. They're free flowing and you play offense and defense. There are less players generally. So one single player can have a, a bigger impact, but in football with how positions are specialized, They're extremely interdependent. Tom Brady is without a doubt one of the best quarterbacks of all time and arguably the best. I don't think you'll ever make a truly compelling argument to say any one quarterback is the best. It's just too hard because there's so many factors. Because you are not telling me that Tom Brady is winning half of those Super Bowls without a good defense. And I know that sometimes there's some hacky people who – one that say Tom Brady's not good at all, it's all the defense, that's insane. I mean, I guess there's not that many people saying that, but let me get back on track here. I am making a point about the 2022 Steelers, but Tom Brady is what happens when you take one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks and you put him with the greatest coach of all time. And he, always, he has a great top flight defense. He has, by the way, I mean, he sucked in his last year in New England. And we all just forgave it. We said, oh, the receivers are gone. They they aged out. They're not that great. He goes to an all-star team in Tampa Bay, and he's spectacular, and they win the Super Bowl. Then they all get injured this year. He's throwing the ball better than ever, and they're not winning again. Like It's just the perfect example of how context matters. There are so many pieces that go in to making a football team win or lose. And it's rare that it's ever going to be just the head coach, the quarterback, or the offensive coordinator. But with that being said, that doesn't mean that it can never be just one of those guys. And I truly believe, and I think it's obvious that the Steelers are in a position where if it's one thing, it's the coordinator. It's Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin because Mike Tomlin put him in that position. There are other issues with the team. Yeah. You got to worry about the defensive front, not being dominant this that, or whatever, but when you compare the Steelers to all the rest of the teams in the NFL, you got Buffalo, which is the only, you know, somewhat perfect team. They have an MVP type quarterback and no holes really at any position. And then there's the Chiefs, who are a level below that, but they have this, this magic of the Patrick Mahomes, you know, MVP type quarterback, uh, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, just the Chiefs thing they have. They might have some more holes than the Bills have, but they got that. Then you have the Eagles, kind of no holes, but only a decent quarterback. And, and, and watch, like he's Jalen Hurts It's going to prove my point about the Tom Brady rant from earlier. People are going to call him an MVP-type quarterback, which is insane. They're going to give him all the credit for what a great team's doing. We don't have the ability to just say, hey, that guy's pretty good. Like Ben Roethlisberger, when they beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, was a great fringe star, but more of a role player for that team, the same way Tom Brady was for the first three Super Bowls and Russell Wilson was for his Super Bowl. But you know, you got Jalen Hurts over there, so on, blah, blah, blah. Okay, <laughs> let me get back on track. I'm giving you an example. There's only three teams that have no holes. So, yeah, the Steelers aren't a perfect team. But when you look at the receiving position for the Steelers, if we're, I just feel like people are getting a little greedy with that. Like, yeah, they're not perfect, Deontay, Claypool, and Pickens, and Friermuth. But do you really need more than that? Like, who has, who has more than that? Name one team. The Chiefs don't have a spectacular receiving core. The Bills don't have a, a spectacular receiving core. Okay, great. The, the Eagles have two guys. I mean, I mean, how good is Devontae Smith even? Yeah, like That's the point I'm trying to make is you can nitpick every NFL team where it's not perfect, and that's the position I think we're in with the Steelers. Steelers, how about the defense? Okay, they get lit up in the first half, and they give up no points in the second half. And by the way, now they've played – Seven games. The Bills, who are the class of the entire league, lit the Steelers on fire. Fine. You got to take that. Wouldn't have happened to the old Steelers, but the Steelers in transition and the rebuild right now, there are going to be some times where you can get blown out by a great team. How about the first game versus the Bengals? It's one of the best Steelers defense games we've ever seen. Unbelievable game planning. And obviously you have TJ Watt in there. It makes a huge difference. Second half of this of this Dolphins game. What an unbelievable adjustment the coaching staff made at halftime to shut them down. Proves my point again. This isn't just one or two games. The Steelers defense is pretty good. And it doesn't have the freaking MVP who takes up half of the damn salary cap on the roster of the defense, right? Like, can you really be whining about that at that point? How many defenses are better than the Steelers? And by the way, with the Steelers still leading the league in three and outs, that affects a defense. So I'm just trying to put it out there that when the Steelers get beat by 30 points, 35 points against the Bills, we're nitpicking all these other issues that are not big issues. There's one big issue, and it's the coordinator. And that coordinator, by virtue of running – what is now publicly known as a middle school offense. Barely any reads. Alex Kazora has beautiful breakdowns of every week, the Steelers on that stupid ass fake handoff, throw into the flat play where there's one receiver going out into a pattern. It's a fake handoff, boot, one receiver. It's never been successful the entire year. It has like a negative one yard per play average. Canada keeps running it every game. Right? Derek, at Derek the Kid, great breakdown. Nobody loves running mesh crossers on third down like the Steelers do, throwing short of the sticks. Have you heard this before? Right? So I know that these are sort of hacky things, talking about the coordinator. That's sort of a hacky football Uh, fan take when we're frustrated at our team. This is a four-year sample size because I'm counting the Feitner era because you have to wrap wrap Canada up in this seeing as he was an assistant for some of that era and the concepts are so unbelievably similar, especially that third down mesh. Oh, throwing short of the sticks, just constantly throwing short. Remember that? Remember they complained about Ben throwing short in the 11-0 year and the, the whole offense fell apart? It's the same thing. It's been that for years. So that's my point. Our sample size is absolutely enormous now. We're now it is inarguable. And I didn't mean to go on for another 10 minutes about this. I had another point. But I guess that's just – I've hit rock bottom with it. And I don't think that there's any interpretation. I think that's a cold, hard fact now that if this dum-dum – would throw the ball down the middle of the field every once in a while. I know Chase Claypool wants go balls. I don't care about go balls. We want skinny posts like they threw to Friar at the end of the game. I want a freaking slant. Uh, give me even a five-yard slant. Give me a dig. Give me a throw to the damn running back. That's not the check down on third down. You know, there's. Look at all the different <laughs> plays. The Miami Dolphins gave you to throw the ball across the middle. And it, it is that simple. It's insane. They're, they're ignoring 60% of the field. And the whole – like, it's like telling Tom Brady in his prime to bring Brady up again. Like, yeah, you can go out and do whatever you want, but you can't throw to Gronk. No throwing to Gronk. You're not allowed. There's a ban. So it's insane. It does come down to the offensive coordinator. If, if you get rid of him – the receivers are going to make more plays, as we've shown when you know Pickens got the ball, Deontay. Yep, Deontay and Chase will drop some here, but they'll catch more in other places. The defense won't be so damn gassed all the time. And even then, they're still holding teams out of the end zone. And everything is going to get better. And then, by the way, you're not going to kill your rookie quarterback. You're not going to kill his brain before he even gets started in the NFL. Cause now one big thing with Kenny Pickett besides not having any elite traits in the draft, my big thing with him is I don't love how he's not super aggressive throwing the ball down the field. It seemed like a lot of those plays were schemed at pitts It's a fake handoff and then a throw to a guy open downfield. I don't think that's his natural nature because he, you know, he seems assertive when he's on the field, but you're going to train this guy to look short first. You can't do that in the NFL. You have to look intermediate and deep first before you check down. So they need to get rid of Canada. Now it leads me to what's going to happen next. Are they going to fire Matt Canada? I think it's 50-50. And I know that sounds crazy because the Steelers would never hire uh, fire coaches in season. They have such a pride about not firing them and I think we've talked about this quite a bit on the last few podcasts. That is Mike Tomlin's big Achilles heel. When you want to talk crap about Tomlin, it is really hard, man. That's the big thing. He's not a great coordinator. So, but it's sort of hard to argue that the guy knows how to get a team together and he's good at developing players, blah, blah, blah. So that's the big Achilles heel. That's the change I want to see. They need to fire Canada now. And here's where I think they are with that. So, The big issue is that Mike Tomlin did not fire Matt Canada after last year. And there were a lot of guys on Twitter, John Ledyard, at Derek the Kid, a lot of people who put out Neil Coulong, a bunch of people who had great stacks of evidence showing why Matt Canada's offense, it wasn't just having an old man, Ben Roethlisberger and a bad offensive line in there. It already, it was bad because it already had all the signs of, hey, this guy really doesn't have a lot of plays in the playbook. And, and that's very consistent with all the other college coordinators who are failing in the NFL right now over the last 10 years, the Cliff Kingsburys of the world, the Joe Bradys of the world. Uh, I have another thing on that, by the way. I think that we can owe this college coordinator revolution to why the NFL is having its worst year in, I don't know, 20 years, right? Right. I love any era of football, but you can't deny it. Everybody sucks this year. The, the quarterbacks, the old guys fell off the face of a cliff or retired. And, and now you just have these dink and dunk offenses that aren't working. And when you look back last year, it wasn't just a talent thing with the Steelers. It was, man, Matt Canada does not call a lot of plays. And he does not change the formations or the look of the plays. So – I know we want to say this is because you have a 40-year-old quarterback and your line's not good, but there's problems with the play calling too that cannot just be attributed to, oh, Ben won't run Canada's system. So that's where I think the big flaw from Tomlin was. I think he convinced himself after last season, after an entire year of he and the Roonies repeatedly reiterating during press conferences how badly – they wanted a mobile quarterback. They said not necessarily a runner like a Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray, but at least somebody who can make plays. They reiterated that over and over again, and then they went and they got Kenny Pickett in the draft, and they picked up Mitchell Trubisky, who is just a runner. He's not even a quarterback. Like we said, I don't know how you can watch years of film on him and think that he's better than Mason Rudolph. And you know, it's crazy because Mason Rudolph's public enemy number one, but there's nothing in Mitchell's career that's ever said he's better thrower than Mason, he's just a high draft pick, and he can run a little bit. So everything around this offseason insinuated Mike Tomlin thought this. If I get a mobile quarterback in there, we can really run Matt Canada's offense, and maybe it doesn't have to be uh, complex. It can be a few plays. It can be simple. We can play fast, and then it'll unlock. And he gambled on that because he's not a good offensive mind in the first place. Obviously, he understands offenses to be able to stop them pretty decently on defense, but he definitely doesn't know how to call a damn game based on the Feetner and Canada tenures. And he thought that it would work out this year, and it's not working out. And like I said, he's never going to throw Canada under the bus in a press conference, and I agree with that tactic. But you cannot convince me that Tomlin isn't looking at the Alex Kisora post from the other day. Steelers have scored 21 points in just one of the prior of the past 12 games. You look at the Steelers' point totals, they're all under 20. This is a historically bad offense, and it's getting worse. There's no way that Tomlin's just ignoring that fact. And I know he said, we dropped the four interceptions. We should have won that close game. And I categorized Tomlin as thinking, hey, we should have beat a a, a team in a close game. I think he does believe that because he's right. We still should have won. Yes, we. Come on. But – there's no way he isn't looking at the offense and saying, my God, we're the worst offense ever. So bearing that in mind, because the evidence is so extensive and so obvious and so in your face, and it's just hard to argue like, oh, it's a piece here, a piece there. This is like, this is worse than like all the Lions teams for years that would win two games a year. I mean, even they could score more than 20 points. This is getting to historic levels. There's no way he doesn't realize that. And so if the Steelers get embarrassed, which unfortunately is what I'm hoping for, and, and it's in some way against the Eagles, because I think that that would be the perfect thing to happen. I, I don't want to watch that. Like, and if the Steelers do really well against the Eagles, I'll enjoy it and say, hell yeah, they're fighting. But I think they need to get their asses kicked, and then they go right into the bye, and you can fire Matt Canada. And the reason why I think they'll be more open to doing that is because they bench Mitchell Trubisky for Kenny Pickett. And it wasn't even that bad of a half for Mitch. But we all knew, the public knew, everybody knew, it was time to start Kenny. And it seemed like Mike kind of, not really bowed down to the public pressure, but just, I think he knew as well. He's not an idiot. When he sees, you know, Trubisky's not doing that well. But he's trying to be patient. And he'll wait two or three games longer than you should to make a move because that's the Steeler way. Be consistent. Don't flinch. But he did make the move to pick it. And I think that that showed me, okay, maybe they would be opening to firing the the, the coordinator. And why do I think that matters? Well, number one, you can't get any worse. You literally cannot. I don't care. Like, are they going to throw seven interceptions per game? Fine. Just do that. (laughs) But that's highly unlikely, man. Like, you cannot. There are plenty of people who could call a better game than what Matt Canada is calling. I know everybody joked about, Ben Roethlisberger being a a coordinator after last year. Just let Ben call the plays. And, you know, that's crazy in one way. I sincerely, after this point, I don't think that's crazy. I think Ben Roethlisberger, Charlie Batch, Landry Jones could all call better games than this current offensive coordinator. He calls 10 freaking plays. And they're all the same plays over and over again. So if you make Mike Sullivan the quarterback coach, if I I think I'm getting his name right, if you make him the play caller, it can be a lateral move, sure, but you need the stench of Canada out of the building. And whoever becomes the next coordinator, there's going to be a little bit of a change just by the nature of the Steelers made the fire. They know they need to make a little bit of a change strategically. I know that they can't. Revamp the entire offensive system at this point, but you definitely have the flexibility to call more freaking slants or a post every now and then. So I think that they need to get rid of Canada because we really need to see what we have in Kenny Pickett before the Steelers, you know, potentially get a high draft pick here, likely get a high draft pick here. And you need to, to, to get that train moving quicker rather than slower and it allows you to start thinking about what coordinators around the league could come to Pittsburgh. And it might give you a chance at making some of the, the making the Steelers coordinator job look a little bit more attractive. Because the Steelers haven't improved at all. It's been seven games. They're not better on offense. There's not been a single solitary improvement. We know there should be because you have one of the best receivers in the NFL already, George Pickens there, but we don't design plays to get him the ball, but they haven't gotten any better. If you can inch better, this is an attractive job for a coordinator because not only do you coach for Mike Tomlin and for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you got this young talent. Like maybe you do have this quarterback. Okay, the receivers are good. Okay, the running back, yeah, he might not be the star they wanted him to be, but he's a good player, and the backup running back's good too, and – Wow, that line actually is overperformed, and they have no pedigree whatsoever. We put a couple picks into that. It could be a really attractive job. So you look back at the 2012 Ravens. They fired their coordinator halfway through the season, and they won the damn Super Bowl. So this can happen. I hope the Steelers' uh, evil brother, the Ravens, I hope that that teaches them a lesson with this. Um, I think I'm going to wrap this podcast up right now at this point because I just – you know, I've been rambling on for a while, but I am very passionate about this subject because I feel like the swarth, swath, swarth, the abundance of, it, of evidence has made this a relatively objective take. Uh, it sounds sort of arrogant for me to say, hey, this opinion is a fact, but uh, and that's not exactly what I mean by it. But I, I do sort of think that the writing is on the wall, so to speak, in, in a pretty inarguable way or a, a way that would be tough to argue that. There's any other direction to go with this, and I find it to be an interesting situation because we rarely get to the hey, it's just the quarterback, the coach, or the you know, OC sort of thing. But you know, those those positions, while they don't entirely determine winning or losing, they definitely proportionally have a much larger effect. Of course, that's what I was saying about Tom Brady. Like, no, you couldn't have put. Matt Castle or Drew Bledsoe in there, and they would have won the same ones. You couldn't have put Kirk Cousins. Maybe they would have won one or two with, with a decent quarterback like Cousins. But the Patriots dynasty and the, and the Buccaneers win is what happens when you put that elite, unbelievable, super talent quarterback you know, in, in with the great rest of the team. But that's what I think. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to touch on a subject I was talking to about with uh, David our collaborator and cousin P. Butch, um, which is why is the NFL so bad on offense right now scoring so far down? And I do think it has to do with the league freaking out when Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay became coaches and became extremely successful. And then there's the joke the past few off seasons about how if you're 30 years old and you've had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, you get a head coaching job and that has panned out. Well, I'm looking around the league and not a lot of those guys have been very successful. And I think the big reason is they're not Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. And all of these guys running these little horizontal offenses are missing the point, which is McVay and Shanahan, they're run-first offenses. Everything is based off the run. They actually don't even have very good drop-back pass games. But it's all zone running and creative running. And the rest of these coordinators, including Canada kind of operate off of just like this dink and dunk pass sort of situation. Look at the Packers with, they should be running a lot more than they are right now. And I think that that's the issue. And it especially becomes stark when you realize what, what teams are actually pretty good right now and surprising everybody. There's this shocking list of Mike Vrabel. I mean, we know that's not shocking. We know Mike Vrabel is good by now, but Mike Vrabel, Arthur Smith, might be building something in Atlanta with no talent down there. I know they got a couple star names with Pitts, but you, you, can, you can't go much farther than that. Pete Carroll? The resurgence with Geno? And then I think there was another one who I'm, just, who I'm blanking on right now. Oh, the Giants, Dable. They have no talent except Saquon. Their line has been the worst line in the league for a few years. They don't have a single usable receiver. You can't name five people on their defense. Daniel Jones is playing well. What do what all four of those teams have in common? Oh, and, and then even uh, Dallas. All of those teams are like power teams. And Dallas is better when they focus on power run and let – they try to let Dak do the Patrick Mahomes thing, and it turns out like, oh, he, he's not that. Those teams should not be as good as they are right now. They're not that talented. The Titans have lost so much of their talent from those championship years, yet they're still winning these games. And I think that you're seeing a lot of teams freaked out with McVay and Shanahan, and they tried to recreate these offenses, and they're just difficult to create. And that's the issue we're seeing, and, and that's what I think the Steelers are, are suffering from. So, many need to get back to basics. I'm sorry that was such a rant. I'm sorry this is a day late. I finish this second half of the podcast here on a Tuesday, but fascinating subject. You know, let's go Steelers either way against the Eagles. If they win or they play close, great. We have that to look forward to. If they lose, I think you may even get a little bit more out of that than a win. Um, well, anyways, we'll be watching, we'll be cheering regardless. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outposts.